There you go. The, the words to that song, um, the, the, the very beginning or the, the part where it talks about blow through the caverns of my soul, fill me to overflowing. Um, we're in John chapter 15 and 16, and for those of you who are visiting, we're preaching through the life of Christ through the gospel of John. Um, and just about every week, it seems like I start this off with an apology, and my apology is that I only have so much time in a morning to preach through this stuff, so I can only, I'm kind of skimming a rock across the depth of what is the book of John. I, I still go back to my first opening sermon on this series, uh, where I shared with you all that one of the things I have really appreciate and admire about the book of John is that an elephant can swim in it. It's that deep. An elephant can swim in it, but it's not so deep. That a, that a toddler would drown in it. And it's just one of those books that, as it talks about the life of Christ and the love of Christ and the promises of Christ, um, whether you're a, a, a babe in Christ, a, a newborn Christian, or whether you're a, a mature Christian, you're going to find depth and you're going to find things in the book of John that are just going to speak to you. And so today, as we get into John chapters 15 and, or, yeah, 15 and 16, Again, I'm, I'm only hitting on a couple of things, but I, my prayer has been through this whole series that, that what I hit on is going to speak to you in a manner where you're going to go home and go, I need to read all of that now, because he, he kind of tweaked my interest. And so with that, as, as we look at words, have you ever thought about the meaning of words? Have you ever thought about how words used to mean one thing, but now they mean something completely different? Isn't that nice? That words can change like that? <laughs> Speaking of nice, did you know the word nice used to mean silly, foolish, or even simple? So back in the day, maybe you would be introduced to a young lady and you know her friends would say, well, what'd you think about that Joe Harris? And Angie would have said, oh, he was nice. See how that works? And she still married him. Uh, it was far, that word nice is far, back then it was far from the compliment that it is today. It, it meant silly, it meant foolish, simple-minded even. Oh, they're nice. That, that was, nice was like the original bless your heart. It was like just there. But meanwhile, the word silly went in the opposite direction. In its earliest uses, it referred to things that were worthy or blessed. And from there, it came to refer to weak and vulnerable. And then more recently, to those who were, well, foolish or nice, uh, or were nice. And I know you're thinking, well, that's just awful. And it is. You know, awful used to, be, used to mean that things were worthy. Yeah. Worthy of all. So we get an expression like the awful majesty of God. I wish that some words would never fizzle out. Speaking of fizzle. <laughs> the verb fizzle once referred to the act of producing quiet flatulence. <laughs> I'm just here to provide knowledge. And to impress my junior hires in the audience. Or Brandon. Uh, but hey, here's the thing. 
Because we change stuff, the American college actually flipped that word's meaning to refer to failing at things. And so some of you have fizzled out of a class in college totally because of the professor's fault and lack of being able to teach well. You fizzled out. You let that class just go away. You know, for the life of me, I just can't fathom how words can change like that. Did you know that fathom, this verb fathom, once meant to encircle with one's arms? Where's Andy? He just stepped out, didn't he? I've been waiting all week for this. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna give him a big fathom after ch- y'all run up to Andy after church and say, I have to fathom you. It it, it meant to encircle your arms. But now to, to really kind of put that all together, consider this. If you if you take your arms and you stretch them out, don't do this because you'll whack the person next to you. But if you take your arms and stretch them out, that can be used as a a form of measurement. And that form of measurement was once also called a fathom. And so you can use a a fathom line to measure the depth of water. And so when you think metaphorically, then fathoming becomes about getting to the bottom of things. See? Because that's how you figure out the depth of the ocean. And it's just, words are cool. Words are great. As we've learned, their meanings can change. And today, I want to talk with you about a word that Jesus uses in John chapter 15. He uses it in other places and other conversations throughout Scripture. But in John chapter 15, he uses this particular word a lot. And and I'm going to read this, and I want to see if you can figure out what this word might be. So go ahead and turn, if you will, in your Bibles to John chapter 15. And I'm going to share this with you. He starts off, John chapter 15, verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Verse 5, he says, I am the vine. He's talking to his disciples. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another. I have loved you. Verse 13, he says, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. If you do what I command you, 
No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. Did you catch that one word? That Jesus used? Yeah. (laughs) He did use vine a lot. (laughs) He used the word abide 11 times in that section that we just read. He said that 11 times. Abide. Abide. Now, I I have a couple of notes for myself. And uh, he also, earlier... Hold on, page 52. All right. Earlier in John, in chapter... Eight, I believe. Um, yeah, in John chapter 8, he also used the word abide. Jesus said uh, in John chapter 8, verses 31, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And verse 32 says, And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And I wrote a note here. Um, so the word abide, I, I need to break that down for you, because it has many meanings. It has changed meanings as well. Um, But here's the thing. He says abide. Abide means respect. It means comply. It means obey. It means uh, with. It means to keep. It means acquiesce in. It means go along with. It means defer to. It means hold to. Adhere to. Stand by. Act in accordance with. Uphold. Pay attention to. Agree to. Consent to. Agree with. Accede. Keep. Heed. Observe. Follow. So Jesus says in, in, in John chapter 8, verse 31, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. See, he says abide plus truth equals freedom from sin. All right? But, but it also, because it means follow, in Matthew chapter 4, verse 19, he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. He said to the disciples that were fishing, he said, hey, abide in me. And I will make you fishers of men. Because if you follow, if you abide, you comply, you pay attention to, you consent to the things that I'm teaching you. Are you, you seeing how this all kind of builds together? And so here, it, he says, in all, all this, he talks about abide, abide, abide. But then I thought, what does abide really mean? And I found another Bible, another version. It's called the Passion Translation. And I want to read this to you uh, from the Passion Translation on uh, John 15, verses 1 through 17. And, and I want you to hear, and I want you to follow along in, in your ESV. And, and so, uh, Tammy, I didn't prep you for this, but if you want to try to follow along, we'll see how we can do here. And I'll, I'll, I'll call it out. But start with verse 1, where, uh, if you want to put that back up. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. I am the true sprouting vine, and the farmer who tends the vine is my father. Verse 2. He cares for the branches connected to me by lifting and propping up the fruitless branches and pruning every fruitful branch to yield a greater harvest. Verse 3, the words I have spoken over you already have already cleansed you. Verse 4, here it comes. So you must remain in life union with me. 
Okay, that's one of the 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 the, the root uh, meanings of this word abide. Uh, remain in life union with me, for I remain in life union with you. For a branch as for as a branch severed from the vine will not bear fruit, so your life will be fruitless unless you live your life intimately joined to mine. That's Jesus. Again, unless you abide in me, unless you live your life intimately joined to mine. Verse 5, I am the sprouting vine and you're my branches. As you live in union with me, with me as your source, fruitfulness will stream from within you. But when you live separated from me, you are powerless. Verse 6, if a person is separated from me, uh, by the way, separated is the opposite of abide, okay? <laughs> if, if a person is separated from me, he is discarded. Such branches are gathered up and thrown into fire to be burned. Verse 7, but if you live in life union with me, and if my words live powerfully within you, okay? If you abide in my words, or if my words abide in you, if my words live powerfully within you, then you can ask whatever you desire and it will be done. Verse 8, when your lives bear abundant fruit, you demonstrate that you are my mature disciples who glorify my Father. Nine, I love each of you with the same love that the Father loves me. You must continually let my love nourish your heart. There's another uh, definition for abide. If you keep my commands, you will live in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands. For I continually live nourished and empowered by his love. I continually abide in his love. Verse 11, my purpose for telling you these things is so that the joy that I experience will fill your hearts with overflowing gladness. So this is my command, love each other deeply as much as I have loved you. For the greatest love of all is a love that sacrifices all. And this great love is demonstrated when a person sacrifices his life for his friends. Verse 14, you show that you are my intimate friends when you obey all that I command you. Verse 15, I've never called you servants because a master doesn't confide in his servants and servants don't always understand what the master is doing. But I call you my most intimate friends for I reveal to you everything that I've heard from my father. And then verse 16 says this, you didn't choose me, but I've chosen and commissioned you to go into the world to bear fruit and your fruit will last because whatever you ask of my father for my sake he will give it to you. So this is my parting command. Love one another deeply. Why does Jesus put so much emphasis on abide? Abide in me as I abide in the Father. Abide in me. Abide in my word so that my word will abide in you. See, he, he knows what's coming here. He's talking to his disciples. He knows what's coming and he is preparing these men, these men and us for some of the darkest moments in their lives. He's telling them, abide in. Because you know what? The world is going to hate you. He says, abide in me. Abide in my word. Because the world is going to hate you. And it's going to hate you because it hated me first. You need to abide in me. Hey folks, if you are abiding in him, Peter, you won't deny him every day with your actions. If you... If you, you, you hey Thomas... Remember doubting Thomas? If you're abiding in him, you won't doubt the power of his resurrection. Jesus knows what's coming, and he's telling these men, abide in me. 
Because when you abide in him, you're abiding in his word. And in his word is where we find the answers to our questions in life every single day. Also in his word, when we abide in his word, we find the strength we need to endure no matter what we may be going through. Uh, By the way, guys, I want to help you with this whole abiding in me thing. In chapter 16, Jesus says to them, I am sending you the Holy Spirit. So he spends this all this time in chapter 15 talking to them about abide in me. One of the reasons he says abide in me is because if, you're, if, if, if they're abiding in Jesus, if they're abiding in his word, they're going to be ready to receive the Holy Spirit when it comes to them on the day of Pentecost. Jesus knows what's coming. He says, hey, if you're, if you're not abiding in me, my spirit's not going to come to you guys. And so he goes from, from this conversation about abide in me and abide in me and abide in my word and be with me and be in the Father because we are one. And he goes into John chapter 16, uh, verses 1 through 15, and he says this. And, and I, I came up with a question. I'm going to throw that out to you in a second, too, that you can study this, too. I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Oh, if you abide in me. And you abide in my word, they're going to put you out of the synagogues. Why are they going to put you out of the synagogues? Because they hated me first. <laughs> okay? So he says this. He says, they will put you out of the synagogues. The hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. Who do you think? And again, my mind went to who Jesus could be talking about here. Whenever, whoever kills you will think he is offering a service to God. Who came after and started trying to persecute and kill all the Christians? Yeah, Saul. Saul thought he was doing, he thought he was serving God. Jesus is telling him, hey, and and I don't think he's just talking specifically about Saul, but it came into my mind as I was reading this. I was like, whoa, he's telling him that this is going to happen. As, as the church begins to form, that, that Saul is going to come after these guys. And, and there were other people right then who were, who were persecuting and killing uh, Christians. And so, but it, but it was just the way it was written, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. That's exactly what Saul thought. He thought he was serving God well. And, and they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. And then he talks about the Holy Spirit. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. And he's preparing them for what's coming. He says, but now I am going to him who sent me. And none of you asked, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. My mind took a side road there too. We'll talk later on a beach and I'll cook some fish for you guys. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you to put your nets on the other side of the boat and you're going to pull in 153 fish and then we're going to have this conversation. Hey Peter, we'll, 
We'll talk later because right now you cannot bear what I have to say to you. But later, I'm going to ask you how much you love me. I'm going to tell you to feed my, to feed my sheep. I almost said feed my fish. I'm going to tell you to feed my sheep. So he says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. You're not ready yet. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Did you catch that? There in verse 8, he says, And when he comes, that's the Holy Spirit, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Verse 9 says, he will, he will convict the world concerning sin because they do not believe in me. Verse 10, concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. And verse 11, concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. And Jesus said to them, abide in me as I abide in the Father and I will send you a helper that will help you remember and write down all that I've taught you. And the Holy Spirit will convict the world concerning sin. You're going to write it down, and the Holy Spirit's going to convict the world concerning sin. You know, why we, uh, you know why we have such a sin problem in our world today? It's because our world doesn't believe in Jesus. Our world doesn't abide in Jesus. That's why we have such a sin problem in our world today. For a ma- as a matter of fact, I think for that matter, as a whole, Christians do a poor job of believing in Jesus. We do a poor job of abiding in Jesus. We do a poor job of abiding in him and abiding in his world. We believe he's the son of God. We believe he died for our sins. We believe he rose on the third day. We believe that he did all these things, but we don't necessarily abide in him the way we should. You know how I know we don't abide in Jesus the way we should? Because we don't love first. Love's not, is very rarely is love our first action. He gave us a command that we would love one another. We pre- I preached about it last week. It was, it was in the, our, what I read today. He said, that's how the world will know we are his disciples. But the problem is, we would rather judge than love. We would rather say harsh things to one another than love. We, we would rather avoid one another than intentionally get involved and get to know each other and abide with one another as Christ asked us to do. The Holy Spirit will convict the world concerning righteousness. Jesus said, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Hey, Jesus is with the Father now. When we do see him, it's going to be a glorious time. He left us his word and his spirit. And because of that, our righteousness that was filthy rags on our own is clean and spotless because of Christ. The Holy Spirit will convict us. Concerning righteousness, because Jesus has done everything he said he would do. And his righteousness cleanses us. The Holy Spirit will convict us concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. That's my favorite one, by the way. Not only is the ruler of this world judged, Jesus knows at the very moment he is saying this to them, that the ruler of this world is beaten. Because Christ knows the whole plan. 
Jesus knows the whole plan. He knows the rule of the world is already beaten. And John shares that plan with us in John chapter 16, verses 25 through 33. He says to them, he says, I have said these things to you. And, and just spoiler alert, just so you know, some of the things that he's referring to, you're going to have to read John chapter 16, verses 15 through 25 to kind of get all those in, in, into the connection, into context. But he says, I have said these things to you in figures of speech. The hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day, you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf. For the Father himself loves you, because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and have come into the world, and now I am leaving the world and going to the Father. His disciples said, (laughs) I love this. He spent roughly three years with him. (laughs) And his disciples said, ah, now you're speaking plainly. You're not using figurative speech. (laughs) One of those aha moments you get when you're abiding in his word. They're finally, it's all coming together. He says, now, now we know that you know all things and do not need anyone to question you. This is why we believe that you came from God. Jesus answered them, do you now believe? Behold, the hour is coming when indeed, excuse me, indeed it has come when you will be scattered, each to his own home, and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. See, he knows what's going to happen. He knows this. That's why he's telling them, abide, because the time is coming. You're going to scatter. You're going to deny me. You're going to hand me over to authorities. You're going to do all these things. He knows this stuff. And then he says, I have said these things to you that no matter what, I'm adding the no matter what part, in me you may have peace. He says, I'm telling you, abide in me because all this is going to happen, but when it does, have peace. My peace, you, you will have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. Here's the victory phrase right here. I have overcome the world. You abide in me. Why? Because I have overcome the world. You abide in me. Why? Because I have overcome your sin. I've overcome your shortcoming. I've overcome whatever it is you think you can't do, you can, because I have overcome that if you're abiding in me and you're abiding in my word. Take heart. Here's my peace. I have overcome the world. So abide in me. Abide in my word. Live your life intimately joined to mine. That's what Jesus is saying. Receive my Holy Spirit. Allow him to lead you in your life. Do not be concerned when the world turns you away. They hated me first. I have overcome the world. Hear this. The same Jesus that John wrote about in chapter 1 who was there in the beginning who turned water into wine in the back room of a wedding party, the same Jesus who healed people, the same Jesus that walked on water, the same Jesus that washed his disciples' feet and washed their hearts clean. This Jesus is preparing to die for the sins of the world, and he's preparing his friends by telling them and us, abide in me, keep my word, allow my spirit to come into your life, 
when the time comes, that same Jesus who said these things to the disciples is saying them to you. He wants a relationship with you. He wants you to abide in him. He says, if you abide in me, I will abide in you. I don't know what that looks like for you. Maybe it starts with you submitting to him in baptism for the forgiveness of your sins to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you just need to repent or pray with the elders about what it looks like for you to start on a path of abiding in Jesus. Whatever it is you need to do, will you stand with us this morning and sing our response song? Respond to Jesus' invitation to abide in him. Will you sing this with us?